The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. I'm here at Opticon 2023, Optimizely's annual conference here in San Diego, California, where there have been a number of exciting announcements, and we're going to go over at least a few of those today. Organizations that have a culture of experimentation are able to innovate more quickly and get to the best ideas by learning both what does and what doesn't work. Today, we're going to talk about how marketers can use experimentation to get the most out of their MarTech stacks, their AI tools, and their collaborations in general. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Kevin Lee, VP Product Strategy at Optimizely. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. Super excited to be having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm having a lot of fun so far here. So um, why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as your, your role at Optimizely. Sure, sure. So uh, as VP of Product Strategy at Optimizely, I uh, currently look after the portfolio strategy um, across the board. We obviously have uh, a lot of solutions spanning across content, across commerce, across experimentation. So, you know, being on stage with red shoes aside, day job is to look after a long-term strategy. So looking out quarters to maybe one, two years out. Came into the company via an acquisition uh, of, a, of a startup that did uh, content recommendations, so using natural language processing, so not a, not a stranger to AI. This is before AI became <laughs> right. whatever it is today. It actually existed before 2020. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. We didn't just invent AI in 2022. <laughs> and then I actually was really busy with a lot of M&A stuff. So we've obviously Episerver acquired Optimizely. We've rebranded the whole company. We acquired a CDP along the way. We acquired Workflow, uh, which is welcome along the way. So was leading a lot of the product due diligence uh, there from an M&A perspective and, and sort of building that overall product strategy. And now super excited to see everything come together and obviously launching you know new products, as, as you heard on, on main stage today. Yeah, great, great. So we're going to talk about a few things today, but let's start with uh, experimentation. And as I mentioned at the, at the top of the show, experimentation is a powerful tool for marketers when it's embraced from a cultural standpoint, a marketing standpoint, as well as a technology one. Uh, but depending on the organization, any of these aspects can also get in the way. 
What are some of the things that hold marketers back from more experimentation or even better experimentation from a team culture level? And what role do leaders and managers play here? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. So, so culture is one of those things that's, that's really, really hard to solve because it fundamentally involves so many different people. And experimentation, I sort of you know, uh, gave this example uh, previously as well, like experimentation is one of those things where it is a collaborative effort out of the gates. You can't be one person doing experimentation. Um, in the, even the demo this morning at keynote, we talked about it, it involves marketing, involves product, involves design, involves legal, uh, involves compliance. I talked to a customer from financial services right after he grabbed me, he said, hey, I've been trying to solve this workflow problem when it comes to building a culture of experimentation. And you know he's been hacking uh, solutions together using yeah. spreadsheets, using approval chains, using email. And he's like, yeah, you know, seven people need to approve a single change before it goes out. And so without the right tools, things fall apart super easily. Teams can't get done. They don't know what's actually happening. You have executives who then say like, hey, what's this thing doing on my homepage? And why am I caught off guard by it? And you know, entire team's like, oh, you know, we've been experimenting. Uh, so people are on the same page, there's no visibility, and it's really, really hard to build that culture of experimentation. And then like it's it's a domino effect, I think, that the organization suffers because, you know, it's a lot, it's heck of a lot easier to just make the call and it's like, yeah, I'm a you know, executive, uh, you know, our CEO Alex referred to those as hippos, the highest right. <laughs> uh, paid person's opinion, just to make the call. And they're like, let's go with this thing. And, and you know, as a whole, I think organizations suffer. So it is super hard when it comes to that, and that culture piece of it, the workflow, how people actually get things done. That's, that's one of the biggest problems that, that we're obviously trying to solve when it yeah. comes to experimentation. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I've been there with the, the spreadsheets and the, the multiple <laughs> tools trying to cobble together the, the right solution. So how about from a technology perspective, you know, where are a lot of marketers constrained and how does having the right experimentation tool make the difference here? Yeah. So I think having the right experimentation tool makes, makes all the difference. Um, as I just mentioned, experimentation is one of those things that requires a whole lot of different people to play their roles. What marketers mean in this case could actually be a bunch of different things. You could have a, someone who's in visual design who is deciding whether a button should be red or green or changing an image. A marketer could be someone who's actually designing the experiment, having a hypothesis driving the overall program forward. A marketer could even be you know, front-end developer sitting inside of a marketing team who's actually building out some of those sophisticated changes. And I think for each one of those personas, they have different needs. And so having the right tool to say, uh, to check all the boxes to say, hey, is there a easy interface to build all of those changes? Great. Um, does it have the right performance and latency trade-offs so you're not slowing down the site when you run experiments? Um, does it have sophisticated statistics underneath the hood so that you're actually getting results that you're actually confident in? Does it have integrations with other tools that you're using, for example? Yeah. Uh, does it go into in-app? So there are a whole lot of these different considerations, and I think having the right tool having the right capability makes a very big difference. And obviously at Optimizely, we invest heavily. Uh, and for us, experimentation isn't, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, a single person's job. It's a whole entire team um, building out this culture of experimentation. So for us, it, it is about hitting across those things. You know, when I talk to our uh, head of product management for experimentation, I'm like, hey, who's our one persona? The response I always, always get is we don't have one persona. We have multiple personas from marketing to product 
to data and analytics that really care about this. So having the right tool makes obviously a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And so you touched on this a little bit with the um, the statistics, but what what about data and access to the right data? What role do they play in experimentation? And what do marketers need to do to make sure that they have the data they need to validate their experiments from the start? Yeah, I think that there there's a couple of different phases of experimentation. At the beginning of it, you actually have a lot of times uh, in experimentation uh, where personalization comes in. So you want to target your experiment at a specific cohort of users, mm. right? So you don't want to launch it to everybody. Uh, and so how does the, the data come in? And maybe that's uh, from an optimized product or optimized data platform. Maybe it's from you know your, your existing CDP. Maybe it's something that you want to do uh, account-based uh, targeting from reverse IP vendors. like. Again, whole host of things. So that's the upfront piece of it in terms of using data to drive experiments to the right intended group of people. Yeah. Um, then there's you know data in terms of while the experiment is running, how do you make sure that you haven't set up something uh, incorrectly? Yeah. Right. So we have a, a tool called Sample Mismatch Ratio where it automatically detects like, hey, did you set this experiment up incorrectly? Um, is there an allocation problem? Uh, but then also there's a flip side of this, which is if you wanted to use a uh, multi-arm bandit, for example, it will dynamically shift uh, uh, the traffic allocation to the winning variation in order to get you a quicker statistical significance, right? So that's like what's happening while the experiment is running itself. Then finally, the, the analysis piece of it, we obviously offer great, great out-of-the-box tooling to give you confidence intervals to tell you whether or not you're winning or losing, but there are also a lot of customers who say, you know, beyond that, I would like to get the data out of your system to do further analysis in my own infrastructure, in my own platform. So these are very sophisticated data and analytics teams that want the raw data as well, and we're happy to give it to them. So across the board, data plays a critical role. Like at the end of the day, if you were to really think about it, experimentation is a data generation exercise. Yeah. Like that's what you're doing, right? You are trying to generate data to answer a question, which is your hypothesis. And, and that, that's a tool. If people are like, hey, what's experimentation? It's like, ah, it's, it's, a, it's a data generator. Like, that, right. that's what it is, right? What's the data for? To answer questions that you're going to ask the system. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that I really enjoyed hearing about this morning was the collaborative experimentation that, that the product allows. And, and so, you know, I think this goes back to this culture of experimentation that um, the, the leaders, the brand leaders that we know that we talk about when, when we talk about experimentation, case studies, all those things, they have collaboration in this. So, you know, just curious, you know, how are brands that are leaders in this space democratizing experimentation to make it more effective? And how do the right tools help here? Yeah, so for, for us, um, uh, we look at it in terms of uh, experiment velocity. So how many experiments do you run on a monthly basis? Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's our sort of North Star metric when it comes to experimentation, obviously super uh, closely tied to customer value, customer adoption. Mm -hmm. But that's not just a metric that optimizedly made up. Um, I think Jeff Bezos was, was famously credited with saying, you know, the success of Amazon is directly correlated to how many experiments they actually run. And obviously, not all brands operate at the scale of Amazon, right. but I think all brands aspire to operate at the scale of Amazon. So there, there's, there's definitely this correlation to say the more experiments you can run, 
which also means the more data you're using to drive your decisions uh, and the faster you can eliminate losing ideas and, and putting more money behind the winning ones, it's a, it's a resource allocation problem, the more successful an organization can be. But the barrier to experiment velocity is just the absolute nightmare of workflow. Like how do I even get things done? Like that becomes the challenge. Yeah. And so for us, you know, when, when we looked at this and said, well, wait a second, we have a best in class tool in our CMP, which does workflow really, really well. You can have flexible workflows, you can have rigid workflows, you can bring external systems, you got different users. And workflow is one of those tricky things where it always looks super simple, <laughs> right. but it is like deceptively complex. I know you spent a number of years in, in content operations. It's yeah, like, how yeah. do you get a single thing be approved? How do you get a single thing to be translated in different regions, et cetera? When it's well done, it's like, oh, this is super simple, right? right. But then, but you dig in under her, it's like, wow, this is very, very complex. It's like that classic iceberg type of visual. Yeah. Workflow is the stuff that you don't see underneath the ocean surface. So for us, it's about taking that best in class. We're like, we solve workflow. We have, you know, uh, a recognized leader in that space to take that to experimentation. And you know, a couple of months back, we launched a, a beta program for experiment collaboration, which is what we announced um, this morning as, as being generally available. That's the whole idea. It's we have workflow, we have experimentation. It doesn't take a genius, honestly, to put those two things together. And our workflow product was, was already mature and sophisticated enough for us to tailor that to experiment-specific use cases. Things like, oh, step one, generate hypothesis. You know, you'd be surprised at how many companies just jump straight into like what my variations are without documenting and articulating. What is it that we're trying to prove here? Right, like, right. Are we, trying, are we trying it for more conversion rates, lower bounce rates? Those are, those could lead to two very different things, right? So yeah. enforcing those specific workflows, um, I think I think makes a, makes a very, very big difference. And so that's essentially what we've done and we're super excited about. Um, our customers are too. We've literally had the customers thanking us for including them in the beta program. That's great. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of the most successful betas uh, that, that you know, I've seen it in, in recent memory and, and it's great. Nice, thanks. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile, that's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. So um, as you mentioned this morning, um, it's 2023, so we're going to talk about AI. Um, so let's let's talk about that. I have a, have a few questions here. So AI is certainly top of mind for most, if not all, marketers today and, and really many others in the, in the org as well. 
let's talk a little bit about first the impact that it has on experimentation. So, um, you know, how has AI already played a role? Because again, it didn't just get invented in 2022, but like, how has it already played a role in how experiments are conducted with marketing? Yeah, I think sort of similar to the the, the data question, um, I, I like to a lot of times ground us to your point, like we didn't wake up in 2023 and go like, oh, artificial right. intelligence, GPT like, invented where it. have yeah. you guys been? Um, it's been around and so, and at the end of the day, if we would appeal back the hype from AI, it, it is about data, right? So earlier I just kind of talked about, you know, the role of data in terms of, all right, we need, potentially need to bring in segmentation data to target experiments um, uh, to the right users. Well, guess what? That's a great place to use AI, and, and our customers do that today. So we offer uh, out-of-the-box capability for predictive segments. So uh, in, a, in a sort of commerce retail example, Optimize the Data Platform can say, give me a cohort of people whose predicted time to next order is within the next seven days, mm. let's say. Right. So that's using AI to, to model everybody in the, in the database and actually say, oh, you know what? These 7,000 people are predicted to make a purchase. Let's run an experiment directly at them. So that's a good example of data in the front. Uh, while data is running with you know, multi-arm bandits, I sort of already talked about this, which is using AI to dynamically uh, allocate traffic towards the winning variation. So that's about using AI to conclude experiments faster, which then also drives for greater experiment velocity. So it ties back into that flywheel and ma- makes that a lot more powerful. And then, you know, stuff that you saw uh, on, on stage um, this morning, right? So setting up an experiment, maybe uh, you're doing a call to action and you don't know what to what, what to think about. You're staring at it. It's the same, you know, blank page problem yeah, when it comes yeah. to blog posts. Like, uh, yeah, it says hidden gems, but should that be like, you know, make sure you don't miss? Should that be, check this out now? Like, what should the call to action be? So, you know, we're, we're putting out a, a feature for using Genova AI for uh, call to action uh, generation specifically in experimentation. So those are some a few examples of this, but uh, but obviously many many um, different applications kind of going forward too. So so really looking forward to those things. Nice nice. And so one of the big introductions at Opticon this morning was to Opal. Um, so why don't you tell us who who Opal is and maybe explain a little bit more. I know you touched on some of the some of the AI things already available, but, you know, how AI can enable more effective testing, content creation. Yeah, yeah great question. So, so uh, we announced Opal this morning. It's our overall identity for anything AI related. Very importantly, it is not a who, it is a what. <laughs> okay, okay. Because we made a very conscious choice to not name it after a person. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and, and the rationale for that is uh, Opal obviously is, is a gemstone. And depending on the angle that you look at it, the color will actually change. And so that's how we envision AI as well in terms of it having different purposes uh, and, and having different use cases as you interact with, with AI within, within our software today. Another sort of overall you know, design philosophy, another product strategy piece of it is really for Opal not to be you know, another product. Yeah. So I have, that, I have that question come after I got off stage, people were like, oh, is that a new product? It's like, no, it is the identity for, for everything that we've historically done with AI and also everything in the future as well. But what it should do is, should, is it should be seamlessly embedded inside of your existing workflows. We want it to show up where the practitioner needs it 
and not have, you know, not turn everyday practitioners into being like an AI specialist. Yeah. It should augment what you're actually doing and be as non-intrusive as possible and be right there at your fingertips, right? That That's kind of how we're envisioning. It should be augmentation. You hear, you know, Dan Soroka talking about Rewind on, on right. the keynote stage as well. He's like, hey, you know, AI is the superpower. It's going to augment what you do, not replace yeah. what you do. And so for us, we, we absolutely take that world philosophy to heart. Great. Are there like what do you what do you see coming down the down the pike as far as AI being used for testing for content creation? You know what what should marketers be paying attention to? Yeah, I think the the bookends of this stuff I think is, is interesting. So so obviously on the front end, you know how to how to generate a hypothesis becomes uh, really interesting. So you know the, the variation generator piece of it becomes I think a first step out of many in terms of how we can generate uh, a good hypothesis. Like, could we plug in, in our CDP into it and say, hey, you know, did you know that there was a fall off at this part in the customer journey? Can we proactively surface that piece of it? Uh, there are other interesting use cases in terms of, you know, could we have a, a chat bot like, and I put in air quotes, this is a podcast, people can't see right. me with air quotes, <laughs> chatbot like experience for things like accessing our documentation, right? Could we, could we educate customers and answer questions in a much easier way? Could we have that be an augmented interface towards experimentation? So you have like, you know, so you're asking questions rather than going towards specific ones. So those are some of the, the areas. And then on the back end as well, there's a whole lot of statistical uh, methodologies, statistical models in terms of um, uh, how you can play around with the data to provide, you know, infinite drill downs into different um, segments when it comes to results, uh, or even be able to say, hey, like, you know, I want to run different what if scenarios, et cetera. So that, those are all applications where AI can really help. So really, you know, in the before, during, after stages, just like data becomes one of the key things powering a lot of this stuff that AI, you know, just sits right on top of data. Yeah. And I mean, kind of to your point, it's more of a it's more of a horizontal thing than a vertical thing. I mean, that's how I think about it, at least as far as to your point about not making Opal a separate product. It's a throughput to everything, because I think that's how the smart people that are thinking about AI right now, that's how they're thinking about it, as opposed to I use AI for 20 minutes of my day and then I yeah. use my human brain for the rest other seven hours. Yeah, exactly. It's about augmentation. Right. right? It's like it right. should just be there and, and uh, you know, much like workflow, which is an yeah. earlier topic, like good workflow should be seamless. Like good AI should also be barely there, but yeah. you are enjoying the benefits of it, right? I mean, yeah. how many times do you think about like spell check? Guess what? That's it. That's AI. Right. Autocorrect and text messages. Yeah. You don't think about those things, but yeah. but that's AI, right? Yeah. So like it's all, it's all of those things that I think that people are just like very comfortable with from a consumer scenario, but like. Why does it have to be hard for 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 you know enterprise scenarios? I, yeah. like it's the same. We're humans at the end of the day. So how how do we have AI help us in our daily lives? Absolutely. So last last thing I want to talk about is um, just how to think about prioritizing experiments. So you know we talked about culture of experimentation. We talked about technical and data aspects of it. But you know when you have the right tools in place to do experimentation becomes a lot more streamlined to start an experiment. But there's still the question of, you know, what do we test and, um, you know, what should be tested to make the biggest impact? So, you know, the, the easier the experimentation becomes, 
the more possibilities it opens up, but then again, the idea of prioritization becomes more important. So how do you recommend that teams look at prioritizing their experiments in terms of timing, resources, impacts, et cetera? So if I could wave a magic wand, I would want every company to experiment with fairly large ideas because there's some, I mean, if you, if you change, for example, one image on one page or one single call to action, that's never going to drive the impact that you expect it to be, even though everyone's like initial use case is like, oh, we could change the button from red to green. Right. I mean, take a step back. Is that going to influence conversion rates? Like, no. Yeah, you would need such a large volume to even, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, sure. I think there was a famous example where I think Google picked the right shade of blue <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something there along was like those 50 lines. 50 shades. Or right. Something. And yeah. that was like, oh, cool, you know, a couple hundred million dollars of revenue. But again, you know, back to Rarely Point, like, not all, like, great. Like, if you're Google, you get to do that. Right. But if you're not, the the degree of change that needs to occur um, has to be big enough to matter, yeah. right? So we've had a lot of success with customers who who really want to test differences in the customer journey itself. Like, oh, our existing checkout process is three steps. What if we did two steps? You heard Dan talk about it uh, this morning. His example for his new startup was on his pricing page, should they offer premium support or the CEO's cell phone number, which is actually his number. If you go on his page, it's like actually what it is. So, right, it, it's, it's a large enough change that correspondingly drives more business value. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basic math for how ROI works, right? Like the bigger the change, the bigger the right. return. And the important thing is with experimentation, a lot of times I think people are scared to make big changes. But that's also where growth comes from. Yeah. Right, like you can't expect to do the same thing over and over again. What are you doing tomorrow? Same thing we're doing today. Okay, well, why do you magically think that things would be twenty percent better today when you haven't done anything differently? Absolutely. So, I think it it is about really prioritizing bigger ideas. You know, don't bet the farm on everything, like obviously. But I think in general, um, when it comes to a culture of experimentation, folks tend to be a little too conservative where the variation is not just like not big enough to matter. Yeah. But when you have big things, you know, you need more people involved, more approvals. Guess what? That's where collaboration collaboration comes in. That's right. (laughs) We'll come full circle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, One last question before we wrap up. I know we're in day two of three here, so got a little more to go in the show. But what's your biggest takeaway from Opticon so far? So far, I mean, other than, you know, the best product, you know, ever. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's an, it's an exciting time for Optimizely. We've done a lot in the past uh, few years. It's super exciting to be able to share the innovations across the board. You know, we were in a situation where we have to, like, actively think about, like, hey, what could we fit into the keynotes? And then uh, what are all the different things in, in, in the sessions? Um, had great feedback from customers so far, which is honestly the most important thing we've worked with some of the world's largest brands. I've had people literally walk up. It's like, not just a, hey, good job. I like, oh, that was super interesting. Like, how do I get my hands on that? And I think honestly, at the end of the day, like that's why we're in the technology business. Like it's moving so fast. We're, we're thinking about those things and whether it's AI, whether it's, you know, content management, experimentation, commerce, et cetera, 
these are just all exciting areas to be in, honestly. And I mean, there's never a dull day in technology, right? So, so that, that's, that's the good thing. And, and I'm just super excited for, for this journey. And, and again, thank you for being here and, and also inviting me on a show to, to, to go talk about this stuff. Obviously, very yeah. passionate about it. Well, obviously, I think it's fun, too. So it's uh, no, it's great, great stuff. Well, again, I'd like to thank Kevin Lee, VP Product Strategy at Optimizely for joining the show. You can learn more about Kevin and Optimizely by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.